0: This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Today, if you're a first-time guest, welcome. Um, You're actually not a guest, you're family, so we're so glad to have you in this place. I really believe there's no coincidence that you're here and that God has something very special for you. Um, The Lord is up to great things. I believe that. And so as we wrap up, can you believe it? This is our last Sunday for the year. We'll be coming, like Yvonne shared, on Friday at 6 o'clock for a Christmas Eve time together. It's going to be really nice. But this is our last Sunday for 2021. Can you believe that? And so what I want to do is I want to just take a few minutes and um, share from my heart. Um, this is not so much a message as it is just me overflowing, I think, you know, what God has kind of put on the inside of me, what he's been speaking to me about as it relates to this whole thrill of hope concept that we've been in. Hope is everything to people's lives. In fact, I believe the church, I said this last week, we are to be brokers of hope. If we're not the conduits of hope, who is? Who will be? It's us. And so as this thrill of hope is coming and touching down, you know, we see it here on the banners, a weary world rejoices. And so I want to talk just a little bit about weariness. And I believe as I do, and I'm not talking so much about weariness, I'm actually going to bring a message that's going to infuse strength into your heart. Can I get an amen? And as strength comes into your heart, I think that will help you. But I think it's better to even not only, you know, see that transpire on the inside of your heart through a word of God today. But I want to equip you to be able to manage your life in such a way that when weariness tries to come to your soul, you'll know how to deal with it. Come on, somebody. You know, Jesus was very practical in the way that he taught. He 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 led by example, he modeled, he infused strength and hope into people's hearts, but he really gave them tools and equipped them on how to live life. Can I give an amen? And that's what we really need, you know, as the body. We need to know how to live. How do we, how do we live through a time like we just walked through? Um... You know, what if something on the horizon was going to be a, a great moment for the church to shine, but we just didn't know how to walk through it? That'd be unfortunate, right? So I think God is is in his grace. He's teaching us. He's allowing us to see some things. So this weary world rejoices when hope comes. And I'm going to show you the reason why. So looking in Matthew chapter 9, I'm actually going back a couple of verses in my order, or down a couple of verses in my order there for For you this morning, but Matthew chapter nine, Jesus is, is with all these crowds of people, you know, people are drawn to him. They, they sense that there's something different about his life. I want to say this. There's something different about your life. All right. Because Christ lives in you. You got to understand this. So when we look at these stories of Jesus, this is going to sound maybe hard for you to understand, but insert yourself into them because he's showing you how you are to live in the world. So all these thousands of people are, are around Jesus, Matthew chapter 9 verse 35 and he's going about to all these cities and villages and he's teaching and he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. I want you to take note of that, like the kingdom, the rule of the Father and sickness is being healed. disease is being cured. Can you imagine? There may be people in this room today, you know, that have something going on in their bodies. And I'm believing even as I teach today that there'll be a healing manifest on the inside of you supernaturally. Not because of me or not because of anything this church is doing, because Holy Spirit is in the move today. He was in the move back then. He's in the move now. And, and we've seen all kinds of miracles take place even through this ministry over the 15 plus years that we've been here. It's awesome. But as he was doing these things, look what, what happens in verse 36. It says that he was moved with compassion. A lot of times we get caught up in the hype of what ministry can look like on those mountaintop moments. And I love those mountaintop moments. But there was a moving, a yearning and compassion on the inside of Jesus for these people. Why? Because he said that they were weary. One thing was moving Jesus' heart and it was the fact that the people he loved and beyond that the people that he was calling to be shining bright lights in the world were tired now let's pull this into post-resurrection new covenant reality Second Thessalonians I want to show you a verse it's by the apostle Paul and he says something to the church here in chapter 3, verse 13. I want you to catch this. Second Thessalonians, chapter 3, verse 13. He says, but as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. Second Thessalonians, we're going to put this up, hopefully. Second Thessalonians, chapter 3, verse 13. If it, if it doesn't go up, just listen. He says, do not grow weary in doing good. Wait a minute. Why would he say something like that? Because it's important for us to catch, for us to, to get a hold of. So in other words, he want to be telling us, Don't grow tired or weary in doing what is good if it was impossible to grow tired or weary in doing what is good. Are you all tracking with me? So he's saying to their hearts, listen, this is not your portion. When he's talking about don't grow weary in doing good, what he's saying here is to fail in your heart. To lose something on the inside of who you really are. To fail in that deepest place that God has called you to be—not failure in, in in terms of like uh, some performance, you know, based reality. I'm talking about like who you were actually created to be and how you were created to live. And this failure of heart, just just to, I want to just kind of show you the context here so you can understand. It, it's it's deeper than even that. It's on three different levels. To, to fail in heart as it relates to number one, living with virtue. Living with virtue. Did you know that it's important for us to shine with the virtue of God, especially in a moment like this? But when you get weary, your heart can begin to fail to think that man, maybe that's not so important. I mean, everybody else is doing all of these other things. And I've been living this life of virtue, which is a life that that breeds life to other people. But when you get weary, maybe you wonder, hey, is this really that important? It also takes it another level um, in terms of definition. He says, don't fail in being Morally excellent. And I'm not, t- I'm not talking about like religious do's and don'ts. I'm talking about the righteousness of God. That when you get around that kind of thing, you just go, man, there is excellence on this. I'm not talking like good or bad, you know, goody, goody, baddy, baddy stuff. I'm talking about like the excellence of doing what is right. Moral excellence. Can you imagine if we lived in a world where we just kept our word, that we told the truth, that what we said we would do, we do. You know, that we're living for the betterment of other people, not to take advantage of others. I mean, those are just some like, could you imagine the atmosphere of the planet if moral excellence was being reflected in people? Come on, dream with me. What would it look like if you were a businesswoman or man that like ran a business with integrity? To, you didn't have to embezzle funds to get rich. You didn't have to lie or cheat or, or, or step over the top of somebody and crush them to get what you... What, what would it look like if the church reflected that kind of thing? Hey, listen, the God of the universe... Created all the beauty that we see out of moral excellence, moral excellence. And the only decay and brokenness that we see is where the, the sin of the world, the missing of the mark has come. And that's what's brought decay into our world. I remember when I was out of college and Wendy remembers... You know, I went to work for the Walmart Corporation and I was under the founder of that company that gave birth to to these stores. Um, gosh, I don't even know when, when the company started, but his name was Sam Walton and he was a good man. He wasn't perfect in terms of like, you know, every little thing he did was right, but he was a good follower of Jesus. And it was beautiful to be a part. The Lord just gave me a glimpse of what it was like to be a part of the biggest most successful corporation on the planet under a man who exhibited moral excellence. He was the wealthiest man on the planet at the time, living for Jesus. Can you imagine? And it, it was it was a beautiful thing to just be a part of something like that. It was just a taste. Of God just saying, Hey, Darren, listen, where I'm taking the church, it's going to, it's going to reflect moral excellence because your hearts aren't going to grow weary in this journey because I'm bringing my life to you. And the last little part of that definition is having a potent capacity to act. Okay. To do something. Not just pray about it, take another 40 day fast. All those things are good. You know, maybe wait another year. It's where something moves on the inside of you because your heart is burning and you're like, I am going to do something. He says, don't grow weary in doing good. Don't let your heart get to the place where it fails because it was never meant to fail. It was always meant to burn. So that you could reflect the very nature of God himself, heaven on the earth, through your life and make a difference. So that by the time you took your last breath, you could go, I've ran the race. I've finished the course. And it is well with my soul. Amen. Let's go home. All right. You see, I believe that spirit, soul, body, it's all connected. It's all connected. It's all, they're all interrelated with one another. When, when you're exhausted in your strength and in your vigor, You even begin to lose patience and tolerance for other people. Come on, somebody. Anybody else been there without a show of hands? (laughs) You go on Facebook and you know you shouldn't have gone on Facebook and you are just frustrated and upset by the time you get off social media. You start unfriending, 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 unfriending. I, I have like people making posts now about I'm going to go ahead and write this and just go ahead and unfriend me now because you know it's just it's just gotten out of. This is where we've gone. We've just lost all patience, all tolerance, and we're we're you know these are believers. I'm talking about Christians. <laughs> Our spirits get affected. That comes down into our souls, which are our mind, our will, and our emotions. And then even our bodies, you just don't don't feel good. You feel depressed, you feel sluggish, all these things. Listen, it's time to break out of that as we move into 2022. Come on, church. Like, we're not supposed to grow weary in well-doing. We've been given an assignment where we're supposed to be fueled with life as we move forward through this life. I'm preaching to myself this morning. Can I get an amen? So going back to Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, he tells his disciples, if you look at this with me, he says the harvest, like what is getting ready to go down on the earth is totally plentiful. He didn't say, well, you know, it's just kind of barely sprouting out of the ground or, you know, there's a few little plants of fruit. No, he said, listen, guys, it. Is plentiful but what does he say he says the harvesters the ones that he's having compassion for are weary and so he says they are few he's not talking about few in number he's talking about few in terms of their identity Look it up. It's Holy Ghost, the Greek word. It's not talking about few in number. There were thousands of people all around Jesus. And everybody was celebrating. People getting healed. People are getting miraculously touched in their bodies. But then when, when he talked about actually getting the job done, he said there's not really people positioned. I was kind of thinking about, please hear my heart here. Just... American churches, as we know it. We celebrate when we have huge crowds and big conferences. And I love all those things. But if we're not taking, man, people and moving them into their destiny to, to impact the harvest, which is outside of it, four walls of any building, any conference setting, any home group, man, we're missing the mark. And he's saying, listen, you're weary at heart, and so you're really not empowered or even understanding of what you're supposed to do with the calling over your life. So notice what he says. I don't know if we'll have this scripture, but you can just go look it up for yourself. The very next verse, what does he tell them? He says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Now I'm going to get practical with you here in a minute. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he, everybody say he, that he would send forth laborers. you got to have your own encounter with God. I don't know how else to say it. Like, I can't give you my encounter with God. Wendy can't tell you her story and what she's walked through with the Lord. You've got to get that for yourself. And what we're doing is we need to unite together and start praying and say, Lord, come and encounter people. That's kind of where I'm getting back to again. I'm like, okay, I I don't know, you know, another message, another thing, another this. Yes, all those things will help, but in my morning when I'm waking up right now, there's a groaning on the inside of me, like something's stirring, and I'm like, Lord, meet with your church. Meet with your people. Begin to come and encounter them so that they can be propelled by an otherworldly type of grace that I can't give them in my own abilities. And let them be moved out of that encounter into the very thing that you've called them to do and to be. He's telling them, listen, I need you to partner with me. I need you to carry my heart. That's what he's saying to his disciples. Because pretty soon I'm going away and you better carry this thing on the inside of you. You better be yearning with compassion. When you see just a bunch of people, help me, give me some food, tell me something, pray for me. Instead of like, listen, I'll do all those things. But listen, there's more for you to live out of a deep, intimate relationship that you can have with God. To be compelled on the inside of your spirit. Is this too loud? Sorry, you can turn me down a little bit. Sorry, I'm just... Where you can live on the inside of your spirit, able to walk through difficult circumstances and shine in the midst of them, not grow patient, impatient or intolerant or just be weary and want to quit and give up. Listen, we've all kind of been there probably. I love what Proverbs chapter 25 says, verse 25. He says, like a drink of cool water to a weary, thirsty soul. Soul hearing what? The good news. Revives the spirit. It's like when you just talk about the gospel, about what Jesus did. Like, that's all I want to do today. I just want to tell you about what Christ accomplished and what you actually carry. So that your soul can be ignited. So you'll come out of weariness and just you'll be truly revived. Revival is not like, oh my gosh, the worship was so amazing. The sound was perfect and I was just getting all these goosebumps. Those are nice moments. But revival is when like something in you has been lit a fire and a flame. And you've come to life again. He's starting to really go, my goodness, like this this is a moment for me. Like I'm feeling like destiny on the inside of me and I'm ready to act. I'm gonna be potent to act. I'm not just gonna sit on my hands anymore. And this listen, this'll get practical for you. Like super practical. Like I'm Wendy and I are talking, like you know, here we are down the road a little bit in ministry. We've, we've sacrificed a ton. And I'm not saying this to lose some little jewel in my crown, but like we've given up a, a lot of things, even on the financial side. And the Lord was like, okay, so that's been a reality. Thank you for that. Even though, Darren, I don't owe you anything for your, for your sacrifice because we, we're not entitled kids. Can I get an amen? But I was like, okay, God, I want to, I want to do something for my, my financial future. He said, well, quit sitting on your hands. Take the little bit that you have and go talk to some people that are really smart. Listen to what they tell you to do and just go ahead and put that money into those spaces and let me kind of move on it. Like that's just one little thing. we got to stop just sitting and get motivated to act. Come on, just one little move. One little thing. Wendy's wrote all these poems and she's going to be reading one on Friday night and they're powerful. A lot of people follow her just to hear little words of encouragement, little things that... God gives them like, hey, let's put all that stuff into a little, our own money together. Let's put it into a book and let's start giving those things away to inspire hope on the inside of people. Move, act. This is the year. This is the time to do it. Amen? So here's what I'm going to do as we wrap up. I'm just going to give you three little reasons why. I believe that we can go through the hardest of circumstances, and not that they're going to be easy, not that we're going to be able to avoid them, but we'll be able to navigate them well, and I'm going to show you the reasons why I believe that to be true. All right? You ready? So here it is. Number one, because I believe that God's strength never fails or grows weary. Now the reason I'm saying it this way, God's strength is because ours does. But we're not living out of ourselves. We're living out of an overflow as sons and as daughters, out of an intimate relationship with our father. And so we then have in that positioning every single thing that he has. So God's strength never fails or grows weary. That means we have the potential through a relationship to tap in to that benefit for ourselves. Does that make sense? Okay, let's back it up with the word. Isaiah 40, all right, we're going to just look at some scriptures here in Isaiah chapter 40. It says in verse 28, have you not known, have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary We're going to have an altar call for salvation at the end because we're going to get all of y'all saved in here. Come to know Jesus so that you can get fired up. Because think about this. There's nothing. We think, you know, we're living in this world, you know, COVID-19 and and whatever else you want to fill in the blank on listen the lord isn't even shaken in one little bit he's not tired at all with what's been going on on our planet and it's not that he's disconnected from it because he's permanently connected to it as god man in other words he knows exactly the frailty that our human frames are experiencing because he was a man still is a man god man living right at the right hand of the father he totally gets all your weariness all your confusion all your doubts because he personally experienced it for himself yet he never grows weary how is that possible all right number two amen (laughs) number two God's Kingdom power is made perfect in our weakness. I wish it wasn't true, but that's the principle. And there's another message, way better than one I could give right now, that Spencer Lawrence spoke on a while back, and he talked exactly about this very thing. He said, God's power, if it is made perfect in our weakness, must meet our weakness. But we don't do that often. We don't go to God and be honest with God. I'm discouraged, I'm disappointed, I'm frustrated. You know what, Lord, I'm a little angry right now. I feel very weak and I need to communicate with you the realities of what's on my heart because you said that I can come fully before your throne with boldness and find help in a time of trouble and there'll be grace for me there. Read it in Hebrews and I need to have this conversation with you because I need your power to meet me in the midst of my weakness right now because I can't get myself out of this hole. And when when that other world starts to to connect, it's like, I, I wish we never had to go through these things. But listen, this is where God's perfect power is just totally manifest in our hearts. Because we, why, come to the end of ourselves. We come to the honest end of ourselves. For all the other type A personalities like myself in the room, this is a very difficult exercise that could cost you the rest of your life of experimentation. And I don't wish that upon you. I actually tell young leaders, because I'm drawn very much to leaders, male and female leaders in the world, and I tell them, take the TKO. First round with Jesus. Take it. Stop trying to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and bring your strength to the table. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up when the enemy's flood comes in like a tide he will then meet you in that place and his standard will come up and it will surpass anything that the enemy has ever brought against you it will be like a tsunami in the midst of his little puny wave that he tries to come and disrupt your life but you've got to humble yourself in fact it says Jesus when he was preaching on the sermon on the mount which is the constitution of the kingdom of God he said blessed are the poor in spirit it means those who have need of God because theirs will be the kingdom of heaven it's how you even get into the whole rest of the sermon on the mount in fact when you graduate it says that blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom those are the two bookends can you imagine like you get to be persecuted for doing Jesus' things wow talk about apostolic graduation I'm like, Lord, not ready to go to that doctoral program quite yet. But when you find your way with every little piece in between, blessed are the pure in heart. For they'll see God. What does that mean? You've you've kept your innocence. You haven't grown jaded in this thing called journeying with Jesus. Man, what I love it's when i meet someone that has been walking with god for like 30 40 50 years and they still have a legit smile and joy on their face right because they've spent these intimate places spaces with the lord that none of us would ever really know it's like man you can see the lord like have those kind of things when you keep your heart innocent yes Last one, I believe that we can have endurance because God's renewal of strength comes through the binding together of the generations in community. Well, wow, now, Darren, you're pulling it out of the heavenly stuff into something really practical. Totally. Because all this up here needs to translate here. Here's what I want to say. We need each other. And we need each other young and old. Can't be the old people complaining about the young generation, all the stuff they're doing. Or it can't be the young generation going, oh, they're so detached and irrelevant. There needs to be a moving together in family between young people and old people. And we need to intertwine and bind our lives together to get through the next season of where God has taken us so that we can see something great happen in the world. It's why we've always been about here, like we were rescue, restoring, releasing, generation of destiny. But we would always insert this tagline. Generation means young and old. Anybody who is alive on the planet right now that's saying, I want to live for God and I want to do this for real. I don't want to just play church. I want to actually make difference on this planet. I want to be a history maker, as Yvonne was saying. And he's going to intertwine our lives. Because look at this. He says in verse 30, you got to catch this. Even the youths shall, that, what was that movie uh, with Joe Pesci where the youths, you know, he would say that the youths, it was, he was a lawyer, uh, but anyhow, even the youths uh, shall faint and the weary and the young men shall utterly fail here. This is really important. Okay. Cause we're looking for zeal, right? We really are. It's fun to get around excitement. And I like what Bill Johnson says to all his young fiery ones out in Bethlehem. He's like, awesome, but come and see me in 20 years. I love your zeal. I love your fire. I remember when I was at the University of South Carolina and I was training, I was a pole vaulter on the track team. And man, we would, we would push our body to the limits, to the limit. It was, and there was, I remember when you would get through all the pain and all the, uh, the, the muscle failure and all the, uh, even injury at times. And you would hit that place where you're, you felt perfect. I I remember Running, I was a sprinter, and I just I I would run, and I felt invincible. It was the wildest thing. I just felt like I I I, I Jesus felt strength until the coach then took us to the stadium in the middle of the day, and we started running stadium steps that were like this in in the football stadium, and he would let us run until people started dropping like flies, man, started fainting in the stadium. I know that sounds abusive, but it, and it was, okay? It was very abusive, but no, I'm kidding. But what he would do is he would like show you, hey, listen, even in your youth, even in your strength, you will reach a place where you won't be able to get past where you are right now in your physical ability to bring something to the table. It was a great lesson for me. And this is where youth then begin to call upon wisdom wisdom should then have compassion and mercy to come and bring that down to the young people and say hey listen here's how you're going to have to live your life if you're going to get to the finish line and not be jaded not be cynical not lose your way on this course i'm going to teach you some things that i've learned where i've made mistakes and we're going to bind ourselves together we're going to become intertwined because even you and all of your fire you will grow weary He says in verse 31, but those who wait, the word wait means to bind together through twisting of relationship, becoming family on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. Okay, here's what I want to qualify. We are going to run in a way that we never get weary. I mean, I'm giving you the paradox here. In your own ability, you'll find weakness. You'll need wisdom. Wisdom will meet you. God's grace will come. But there will be a moment when we do run. There is no injury. There is no no failure in our bodies. We will be strong in the grace of God. But we will be humble. Because we know where our strength comes from. It's like you come to this place where you're broken enough in a healthy way. Where you're like... It's, it's like what you see before the throne going on where these apostles that changed the known world in their day are throwing crowns at the feet of Jesus that they were given. They have authority, but they're giving it back to the Lord because they know that it came from Him. The original source of all they carry was from Jesus. But at the same time, they weren't like, what do you call it, a false humility. They knew what they carried. And when they walked into cities, they knew things were going to change. Do we believe that ourselves? When you walk into your workplace, when you're in your neighborhood, do you believe that things are going to change? I had the weirdest experience. I was in a, a place the other day, like in this place with like a few hundred people. And I, I please, you got to hear my heart. But I was like, I, I was like, because I'm here, something different is going on. Because I'm here in this place. Right now. Because Jesus is in me and something is happening. I don't even know what it was. I couldn't even fully tell you like why. But I was like, I felt this confidence. I was like, God, I'm here, something's shifting in this room, and I'll see the fruit of it for for whatever reason down the future. I want to end with this. This is the gospel that I believe is clearly seen, all I've talked to you about, in Psalm 68. I'm going to end with this, and then we're going to watch a really, hopefully, encouraging video of some missionaries that we support in a very dangerous very unreached nation on the other side of the world. We're going to have to pause the live stream, actually stop it as we go into this because we can't broadcast where these people are. But I want to read this this gospel um, for you out of uh, the fruit of the gospel out of Psalm 68. It says this in verse three. It says, let the the righteous be glad. Let them, say this with me, rejoice. Say it again, Rejoice. Come on, say it louder. Rejoice before God. Do you know what rejoice means? It means to re-enjoy. Oh. Oh. What would it be like if we started to re-enjoy life again? What would it be like if we started to re-enjoy being in the presence of God again? Being around other believers again? Starting to live for our future again? What would it look like if we were starting to really re-enjoy our marriages, our relationships with our husbands and wives? Our, our no, husbands and wives. I just said that one. Um, kids. There it is. Children. <laughs> you can enjoy your children. All right. Someone needed to hear that. Re-enjoy living where you live. Doing what you do. Doing your job. re Rejoicing, re-enjoying before the Lord. Then he says from here, actually, Yvonne alluded to this. It says, out of that, it says, sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds by his name, Yah. You know, that name was the same exact name that God revealed to Moses in the exodus. Okay pause for just a minute. If we're exalting Yah or Yahweh that name came when the children of Israel were on the run. Come on you ever feel like you're on the run? Like you've been enslaved and now you're out of that slavery maybe, but you're like running because you got like the the Israel tribes behind you, like not Israel, uh the Pharaoh's tribes behind you wanting to take you out. And then you got this like huge, like red sea in front of you. And you're like, man, what's going to happen? Yahweh is going to happen. <laughs> Come on, we need some Yahweh today. We need some Yahweh that gives us a bunch of gold when we leave Egypt. That gives us like a, a parting Red Sea when it's before us. That gives us provision to cross over, you know, onto the, the dry land of, of, of the, the, the stream to get into the promised land. We need Yahweh revealed to us today. He's the one who rides upon the clouds. He's not shaken or moved by those second, heavens, second heaven atmospheres. Where the demonic and all those, you know, principalities dwell, he rides right through the midst of them. He's already put them, put them to shame through the resurrection of his son. Every single demon and devil on this planet or a principality that exists there has been cast down. They have no power. They have no strength. He's looking for Davids and Joshua's and all these kinds of people, you know, to rise up and begin to act, begin to move because they're re-enjoying God again. They're starting to dream again. Okay, here's where it gets real practical. Verse 5, he says he's a father to the what? Fatherless is where sonship, daughterhood starts to come in. You start getting to know who you are. You start getting getting established in this family. You're not orphans anymore. (laughs) <laughs> and then he defends widows. He takes care of people that really don't have anybody else helping them. This is God in his holy habitation. Verse 6 says he sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. The rebellious in, but, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Verse 7, oh God, you went out before your people when, they, when you marched through the wilderness. Oh, come on, he's going, whatever your problem is, he's already gone before you. Do you understand? He's already gone the distance in that direction that you are getting ready to go. And if God has gone there and he's for you, who in the world can be against you? No one. First, 8 says, I love this, the earth shook but when the earth shook, the heavens began to drop rain in the presence of God. Sinai, the place of meeting itself, was moved at the presence of God in Israel. I saw a friend of mine who lives in Maui, lives in this very dry part. I'm wrapping this up. Of, of Maui, there's no rain there. It like, looks like a desert. He got one rainstorm and everything turned green. Looked like Ireland. Hear me. When the earth is shaking, don't be afraid. Because the heavens will bring rain in those moments. And everything is going to turn to life in the presence of God. Do you see that? Last verse, verse 9. You, O God, here it is again, send a plentiful rain. Catch this language as we close. Whereby you confirmed your inheritance when it was weary. Okay. It's his inheritance that he bestows to us. And the weariness that's coming against us. It's not just against us. It's against what God has in store, what he has planned. It's his inheritance. And when it's weary, he will restore it. He will give it to us. It's not by anything we've done. It's not something we've created. It's not something we've earned. It's something he gives us freely. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard.